battled cornerback. He's playing with his hair on fire, man. He is playing like he wants to make everybody regret what they've said about him or thought about him. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Monday, July 31st. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on socials at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you, sir? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. We're back in pads. It's, it's, back in we're, pads. we're here. We're here, yes. man. We're so excited. And as oh, Logan in the chat almost got your entire intro just perfect there, um, which is a great reminder that you can yeah. join us via the Broadway <laughs> Sports Media YouTube page to Bingo. comment things like Logan did, which he just forgot that you could follow me also on Twitter. But besides that, he got it down to a perfect science. It is. It is a science. And Logan, being one of the horsemen of the hot read apocalypse, knows he, he's lost. He's listened to this show uh, quite a bit. So he he knows a thing or two about how we operate around here. Welcome in to all uh, new or old listeners. Before we dive into all things Tennessee Titans training camp and some Titans news to boot today, as well as a take here at the top. Not even a take, actually, just an observation, JT, and one that I know I'm not alone in making. But I do think I'm going to be alone in saying out loud. And it's a terrible idea. And I teased it on Twitter or X that there's something about training camp that I've thought about kind of all weekend long. And then I was thinking about today. And then we got some news from other training camps around the league. And it made me think it even more. And it's like, oh, I shouldn't say it out loud. But here I am on the show today. I'm going to say it out loud. And then when things go horribly wrong, you can blame me for it. So we're going to talk about that at the top. Of course, we're going to start out in the warm-up today with a little uh, little, little pony talk. We're going to talk about those cults up there in southern Indiana. Things have not been great with them. We talked a little bit about them on Friday. We have even more fun news to dive into and break down about them in the warm-up. And then uh, I'll dive into all my observations from today's first day in pads. But before we get to any of that, for those of you that are listening, if you would do me a personal favor, huge favor, super quick, just like or retweet or share or text the link to a friend or a family member of this show. If you're listening with us live, it's super helpful to us. We want as many eyeballs on this product live as we possibly can get. And we want as many people to go over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page and uh, to find this live stream where you can in the comments be a part of the conversation like Logan and Music City Malik and Anthony Oberhausen has been doing over there in the comments. We appreciate all of you guys. Music City Malik mentions that uh, he, he is shouting us out for being fair about the Malik Willis hate. He says he's been listening to the podcast since that episode. Also, apparently he played Brentwood Blaze, which is the local team here in uh, in the Nashville area that I played on when I was a kid. Those were my football days. I was a bruiser running back. My only play was 32 dive right down the middle, baby. And I've had roughly, I don't know, 3,700 yards and 67 touchdowns that season. Um, and that was the end of my career. I ended on a high note. But he listened, or not listened, he played Brentwood Blaze with my brother back in the day. He says, keep it up. Thanks for listening and uh, awesome personal connection. Music City Malik, thank you for uh, for listening today and commenting over on the YouTube page like others should be doing. Okay. I'm rambling. Let's talk about what I need to actually talk about here at the top JT. And I teased it on, on Twitter. Um, I need everybody listening to just let's lean in close real quick. Now, really just br- bring it on in. I need, I need no one to hear this besides us. Training camps around the league have kind of been injury hell so far, but the Titans so far, have kind of been fine. They've kind of been perfectly fine. They've kind of had no injuries at all. And we've been here in training camp for 10 seconds, I know. And there's like a whole month's worth of practices for this to age incredibly poorly. And that's why I said I didn't want to say it out loud because, again, one padded practice. But geez, JT, we talked about it on Friday. So many kind of high profile injuries around the league already. A number of teams are in injury hell. And we're not even to August yet. And yeah, just apologies to everybody. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I know. I know. It's like, it's, it's inevitable, right? There's going to be injuries. There's probably going to be 
a significant injury, at least to a significant player on the team by the end of the month. And that is I, the only reason I bring this up. I'm so sorry. I'm just displaying all these, all the, the hate in the comments, which I've brought upon myself. And knowing, knowing this, well, some starter will break their leg tomorrow in practice and it will inevitably be my fault um, because of karma or something. I, I know, I know. And I, I shouldn't be saying it out loud, but for a Titans team that has the past two seasons been in injury hell from start to finish of the season, it's a good start for them. And uh, I do think that there's there is reason to be happy with the fact that they've not had a significant number of injuries yet. They will come. Like it's not a matter of if, but when, um, and you just have to hope that they're not significant, long lasting injuries to high profile players, but it is something worth noting. And, uh, I say worth noting, maybe not worth noting, but I wanted to say it just to make everybody freak out and you're welcome. All right, let's, uh, now let's dive into the warm up today. What is supposed to lead our show off. Um, but I had to, I had to slide that in there just to freak everybody out a little bit. The warm up today, JT, we're gonna be talking about. The Southern Indianapolis Ponies, or as others call them, the Indianapolis Colts. They, uh, they've they been in the news this weekend. Have you seen this? You caught wind of any of this? Uh, yes, it's all I've seen, actually. <laughs> um, from anywhere from Crazy Uncle Jim's tweets from back in 2011 when he didn't have a personal Twitter handler <laughs> to, yeah. to, to now. You think and, he has one now? I, I, If he does, they're not doing a great job. They're asleep at the wheel. Yeah, they're not <laughs> doing their job. So let's break down the, the facts of the case here real quick. And we talked about this a little bit for those that didn't listen Friday and have been under a rock on this. Um, the, the running back market in the league, we know not great right now. A lot of running backs ticked off, including yours truly Derek Henry here in Nashville today, by the way, JT, nowhere else in the show for me to mention this, but I wanted to mention it. I think it was Joe Rexroad. Our buddy was talking to him after practice. And I don't know what the question was, but he was mentioning to some of us in the media gaggle uh, away from this interview that he was talking to Derrick Henry and, and Derek on this topic of running backs needing to be respected more with the contracts they're given and be, you know, paid their fair share. Derek said something to the effects of, you know, sometimes on some teams, running backs will touch the ball more than quarterbacks. Seen that anywhere? Yeah, Derek, we have <laughs> for like two years. We've seen it right here in Nashville, right here in town. So fair point. But all of that to be said, running backs, not happy of those running backs, uh, star running back for the Indianapolis Colts for now, Jonathan Taylor, not pleased, currently entering his final year of his contract as a, uh, I believe he was an early second round pick. So this is his fourth and final year on his rookie contract. And he, like others, uh, fairly looking to be paid, arguably uh, fair or not. The number is reported. He's seeking, I think, a, a league setting contract around the $16 million markup there with Christian McCaffrey, which is a bold ask. One could easily argue as I would, that is, I understand asking for it, but expecting it is a different thing. And for Jonathan Taylor, that's too much, but he does deserve to be paid, paid his fair share. And the Colts don't seem interested in paying him anything. And his agent, his new agent um, is not very pleased with that. And so there was a whole Twitter storm of nonsense at the end of last week, going back and forth between some, unsolicited, ill-advised comments from our, our buddy, crazy uncle Jim up there in Indianapolis and, and uh, Jonathan Taylor's agent. Now, since that conversation that we had on Friday about all of that, some things have happened. Um, Colts owner, Jim Ursay said, I believe this was on Friday night or on Saturday. This is one of my, I mean, it has to be one of your favorite quotes of all time. Quote, if I died tonight, and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league. No one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. He is such what? a way with words. What? <laughs> he's you know? a real wordsmith, isn't he? Uh, he's, I, don't, I don't understand what the point of that comment is. Again, unsolicited. Again, somebody in that building. I know he owns the team, but take this old senile man's phone away. It's hilarious for us, but horrible for a franchise that, and our buddy Mike Herndon pointed this out on, on Twitter, uh, either today or yesterday, the Colts have had two playoff appearances in the past eight seasons tied with the Jaguars for the least in the AFC South during which period they have mismanaged a franchise quarterback into early retirement, hilariously botched most multiple attempts to replace him. I believe this is now the what sixth consecutive year. The Colts have had a brand new quarterback to start week one and hilariously 
they are now in a public pissing match with arguably their best player and Jonathan Taylor and pissing match. It is loudmouth, loudmouth owners, boys and girls. They never fail to disappoint. And occasionally they royally screw things up. Like in this circumstance, even further into this story, it felt like just when things got crazier, uh, or just when things felt like they got the craziest, they got crazier. JT, a text to Albert Breer from Colts owner, Jim Ursay on Jonathan Taylor's trade request request. Man, my mouth is full of, something other than words today. I'm very sorry. Um, he said, quote, we're not trading Jonathan. End of discussion. Not now and not in October. So it sounds like the Colts are both interested in paying Jonathan Taylor no money and also not interested in allowing him to go anywhere and do anything else besides play for the Indianapolis Colts. Another thing that came out, I think this was yesterday, JT, that was the, it, this is the craziest part so far. Who knows? It might get crazier. But did you hear about how apparently the Colts were now or maybe are now considering putting Jonathan Taylor on the NFI non-football injury list to start the season, a list. Uh, if you are placed on uh, you, you don't play all season and you are not paid all season. You are, you are, you know, it's, it's an injury outside of the, the terms of your contract. It's a non-football injury. And therefore you, you are owed nothing by the team and you are unemployed for the next year. Um, that's something that they reportedly were looking to do based on a report from Stephen Holder, the ESPN reporter up there in Indianapolis. He tweeted this out yesterday. Sourced ESPN, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, reported to training camp complaining of back pain that was deemed to be from a pre-existing issue. The team is now considering placing him on the non-football injury list, which could result in him not being paid for the regular season. But then Jonathan Taylor, less than an hour later, tweets out, one, never had back pain. Two, never reported back pain. Not sure who sources are, but find new ones. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so okay. What's, what's going on here? The Colts are apparently saying, oh, you want $16 million a year. How about $0 a year? And and this is according to our buddy Zach Hicks, who I think he dove into the rules on this one to, to find out the specifics. If you're wondering why this, this these two conflicting things about the non-football injury back issue thing is a thing, you know, you're thinking, well, maybe, maybe he didn't have a back injury and the culture just looking for a way to not have to pay him and to just, you know, punish him for his malfeasance here. Maybe his, his disobedience here, according to Zach Hicks, uh, our buddy up there covering Indianapolis Colts, the Colts cannot place Jonathan Taylor on the NFI list unless he physically cannot suit up to play. Teams can't just place healthy players with that designation. Uh, just an FYI for anyone that thinks this is a contract thing. If he's placed on NFI by the league rules, then the back injury is a legit injury. Now, based on reports you hear from people at training camp where Jonathan Taylor is and is doing varying levels of participation, it, it looks like he doesn't have much of a back issue, doesn't seem to be held back by anything and the limited participation that he is a part of. Um, and then just one more fact before we can get our opinions out there on this JT the Colts running back room, you thought it was bad with Jonathan Taylor. Now, today at training camp on Monday, Colts running back, the, the backup, presumed backup to Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss suffered a broken arm at practice, and he's going to miss about six weeks, um, which would put him, you know, he'd miss at least one week of, of actual um, live reps in week one, if not more with that broken arm, as well as all the reps throughout training camp, valuable reps. And, and so, a very bad, bad situation. But before I give some thoughts, JT, what what say you on all of this nonsense? Uh, it's Evan Hole season, apparently. Evan Hole, come <laughs> Evan on Hull, down. Come on down, because <laughs> apparently you are the next uh, Colts running back. I've already seen um, some other some other guys um, in the Colts media space kind of being like, "Look at all this Evan Hole tape. We're so ready for Evan Hole." You know, like <laughs> in the in the fallout of this Jonathan <laughs> Taylor kind of nonsense and I think to be honest it's kind of maybe a little bit overplayed on one on both sides probably if I had to lean one side yes. it's crazy uncle Jim um yes. Jonathan Taylor and the running backs are overplaying it because every single running back overplays it because they're trying their absolute hardest to be heard despite no one wanting to listen to them and then nobody the crazy, looks good in this like no no, no the agent the player the ownership it's all bad it's ugly yeah. And, and, you know, I do. I think Jonathan Taylor 
will play this season. Um, if, if I, if, if he is truly healthy, I think he is going to play this season. If he does somehow go onto this list and there, there is real concern there. Um, it really does just seem like it will be a throw Anthony Richardson to the wolves and see what sticks season for them. Um, because good thing you can run. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, um, if you don't have Jonathan Taylor or Zach Moss, like you're not even going to have a security blanket for your rookie quarterback. And I think that's the, the biggest thing for Anthony Richardson is that they literally are going to throw him out there and see what sticks. Let me tee you up with, I think, an obvious question here. You know, Jonathan Taylor has formally requested to the Indianapolis Colts a trade. Do you see a path for a trade? No, I, I, I don't. There's, there Agreed. really is no possibility yeah, because no, no one's going to give the Colts what he's worth because he's not even going to get a contract what he's like. Correct. He has to have a contract, anything. right? So in order to trade for the Colts, and our Music City Malik asks, Titans signing JT in free agency next year. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But for a team to trade for Jonathan Taylor's rights this season, it would not just require being willing to pay him a contract that he's willing to sign, whether that's 16 million or whatever it may be, but it also would require giving the Colts something in return that would make them want to pull the trigger. Cause again, the Colts don't have to do anything. They can, I mean, they can sit on Taylor and hope he plays. And if he doesn't, then he owes him a bunch of money back and gets fined a bunch and you know, whatever Evan whole season or whatever it may be. They they don't have to move him, and I don't imagine they would want to move him for anything less than, you know, second round pick, third round pick, fourth round. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's trade trade compensation or player compensation uh, of some magnitude. And who's doing that? Who who in their right mind, besides Kyle Shanahan? I saw somebody say that the Niners organization has taken the SIM card out of Kyle Shanahan's phone. Um, they, there's nobody in the league willing to send trade compensation a player or a draft pick and sign this guy who I have to point out, like he's coming off of an injury plagued season in 2022 and he failed his physical coming into camp with ankle and back injuries, whether the extent of the back injuries are significant enough to go on NFI or not is a different question, but he did in fact fail his physical coming into camp with ankle and back injuries from what's been reported. Like you, you kind of understand not wanting to extend him yet with all those concerns from Indy's perspective, you can't give this market setting deal to need. I remind people a third consecutive time giving a market setting contract to a non premium position, right? Because they gave a market setting contract to Quentin, uh, Quentin Nelson, the guard, not a premium position. Then they gave a, a market that hasn't panned out all that well in terms of value, by the way, so far they gave a market setting contract to Shaq Leonard linebacker, who then immediately missed pretty much an entire season with significant back injuries. They're now looking down the barrel of spending a massive amount of money on a running back, which is another non-premium position in the NFL. So you, you just can't, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. And I mean, even if you go a step further there, there's another argument that all the other AFC South teams are saying, well, good, get, get them out of, get them out of the AFC South. Well, no. I mean, Hold it, up. <laughs> actually, <laughs> it's weird how this works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, our buddy Zach Lyons over a football and other F words in a football show. He said this on Twitter yesterday that he's seen a lot of this, you know, get him out of here. Let the Colts let him go. It'll be easier for us to play him in the AFC South. You, you kind of statistically, historically, you should want the opposite because Jonathan Taylor versus the Titans. These stats aggregated by our buddy Zach. One rushing touchdown. These are five games, by the way. Five career games against the Titans. One rushing touchdown. Uh, just shy of 50 rushing yards per game. Just shy of four yards per carry on, uh, per, on average. And a one in four record as a team. So he's been an absolute non-factor for the Colts against the Titans. You should kind of hope that they pay him a massive sum of money. And he becomes the third consecutive market setting contract given out by genius Chris Ballard up there in Indianapolis to a non-premium position. Logan Grady points out that people are also ignoring the fact, and we saw this in the ridiculous, uh, was it Greg Doyle? Something Doyle, the guy that covers the Colts, the most unprofessional article in a publication of record, the Indy star that I have maybe ever read. Did you, did you read any of this article? I did. Yes. It's uh, hilarious. I, I, I went down that rabbit hole. He demeans a player for his education because of a smaller school that he went to. He, I mean, it is the most obvious in the pocket 
of team ownership article you will ever literally read in the from pocket. a non yes 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 uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's in one ridiculous. way or another yeah um so it, it's it's a nightmare for them and uh it, it's just something funny that i think titans fans should all revel in the colts have had a very very loud uh, preseason offseason training camp so far well, which is never a good a, thing they never always a have thing. a loud offseason right well Except this is true yeah for the but wrong reasons loud for, for the, the wrong, wrong reasons, reasons this time yes. yeah and the titans have had a pretty a pretty quiet one and i think that's for the best teams that you know you win the offseason typically you do not win the regular season all right now that we've gotten 25 minutes of nonsense out of the way but really fun nonsense so i hope you guys enjoyed let's talk sights and sounds from training camp today first day in pads before we do that Quick reminder, if you are listening to us live on Monday, thank you so much for being with us. If you're on Twitter or Facebook, that's awesome. If you want to comment, be a part of the conversation, go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. That's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You'll find this live stream. And in the comment section of that video, that is where you can send us comments that we can see on the screen and display like Music City League here, uh, pointing out that Jim Mercer had a whole Tony Montana monologue about all this nonsense, which is true. Um, JT, if you wouldn't be, uh, opposed to it, if you would not be so kind, if you, if you, man, today's tough, it's been a long one for me. It if has. you would be so kind as to walk us through the sights and sounds from training camp and, uh, just kind of volleyball me up some sets, I can spike some takes, some thoughts from today's training camp. That would be fantastic. What do you say? Yeah, sure. Let's just jump right into Titans training camp today as it was the first day in pads. And mm -hmm. on the first day in pads, as everyone says, well, that's all great what they do in shorts and, and, and shirts. But once they get the pads, let's see what happens. And Will mm -hmm. Levis, the, the second round draft pick, had himself a day today. Yeah, and I know Dr. Lipschitz is in the audience here because he's already commented once. But first of all, stop harassing us in the media on Twitter to to cover what you want covered first of all you're wrong this idea that that no one has covered will levis thus far in camp and we're responsible for the national media's musings on will levis being a terrible quarterback it's, it's all nonsense and i explained this to you last night i appreciate you listening though and i hope you're happy today because boy oh boy did we talk about will levis he had a fantastic day will levis easily his best day in a Titans uniform at all, like in minicamp and rookie minicamp and uh, OTAs and training, like anything that I have seen with my own two eyes, clearly and obviously the best day for him. And uh, just a couple of notes. He started off his heater in seven on seven drills, three straight dimes to uh, Justin Rigg, Treshawn Harrison and Reggie Roberson for three consecutive touchdowns, all from like 20 plus yards out. So bombs, uh, well, not bombs, but lasers, should we say, um, in that in that uh, long red zone area and uh, a situation where kind of everybody is just like, well, you know, the whole camp is just, whoa, okay, all right, here we go. This guy's it's hot today. What's going on? I think on the total for the day, he had something like five or six total touchdown passes. He also, it wasn't just the highs, it was the lows, of which there really weren't any. Obviously, there were misses and there were incompletions and there were, you know, miscues, but they were all wise. They were all smart and safe gambles. You know, they were they were decisions that were totally understandable and the right call, in my opinion. And so he didn't have any, you know, plays that he's had, you know, a lot as, as going through the growing pains of being an NFL rookie where you're, you cringe, you're like, oh, what don't, what that's, you know, execution or on the mental side of things. He didn't have many massive miscues today. Thinking back on it, talking to my, our buddy, Sam Phelan at the end of the day, like, you know, did, what was the worst thing you saw from him today? Like kind of, you know, he's like a beat late on a throw to the corner of the end zone. Didn't get it there in time. Had a nice touch though, and put it out of the reach of the defender. Like that's kind of the worst you could come up with for him. And so it was a really, really good day. In that regard, um, we talked to him kind of at length at the end of the day after he signed a number of autographs for a lot of the fans that were there in attendance today. Uh, I wanted to share a couple of clips from that discussion. The first of which was actually this isn't a clip, but it's something he said that I thought was worth mentioning. We asked him, what, you know, just what the experience has been for him so far in training camp and how things have been going. He he said that the days have felt short and long at the same time and explained that they're really beating a handful of things a day to death behind closed doors in that building, trying to iron things out and get them right to get them perfect. 
this first clip that I want to share, we asked him about how, you know, transferring in college because he started out um, behind Sean Clifford, quarterback for the uh, Green Bay Packers now up there in, in uh, Pennsylvania at Penn State. He then transferred to Kentucky before his junior year. We asked him how transferring in college may have aided him so far in adjusting to the newness of his NFL career. Here's what he had to say. I think even just in the warm in warming up and just in, you know, indie periods that you, you could tell when the ball is really coming out of your hands. Well, uh, so, I mean, today I actually didn't think it was one. Yeah, I think that's the part of it that was probably the most difficult, like transferring and going into a new building with 100 plus new names and faces like that's hard as it is. And I think as a rookie uh, on top of, you know, learning a playbook and everything, that's probably the, the biggest adjustment. And even more so as a quarterback, when you're, you're a guy that you got to know everybody in the locker room, you got to have those relationships with. Um, so I mean, you got to embrace that part of it. Uh, this is a you know family sport. You got to you know play it as a family. You play it as a team. There's got to be a sense of love amongst everybody. So I mean, uh, I got already got a bunch of love for everybody in this in this uh, building. You just got to keep building on it. And that makes sense, you know, having to go in college from college to college, learn. Really, I think a, a lot more new people in college than you are having to learn in the NFL. There's probably more, you know, personnel, staff you have to get acquainted to in the NFL. But in terms of your teammates, having that transition in college, having gone through that and learned from that situation where, you, you know, you're trying to get acclimated to the team, learn the playbook, you know, learn what your coaches want from you, learn the skill sets of your players, but you're also your teammates rather, but you're also trying to, you know, interpersonal relationships, develop rapport with other guys, that's difficult to do on the fly. And so that's something that I think is, is reasonable for that to be an experience he is drawing on now in the NFL. We then went on to ask him uh, this clip that we accidentally started playing. Let's go ahead and play that one. It's one where we asked him about, you know, are there some days on which you just, you know, you get out there and you, if, you, if you're a golfer, I think you can relate to this. Some days you get to the driving range and you, you take two or three practice shots and you're just out of the gate. You're like, oh baby, we're striking them clean. We're stri striking them pure. We're striking them straight. Like I'm just, I'm on today. I don't know what it is. You know, you're just, you just on that day. Is that a thing for, you know, an NFL quarterback? You get paid a lot of money to be on every day. Like that's, there's, you don't get bad days excused in the NFL if as a quarterback getting paid millions and millions of dollars. But do you kind of feel that way some days out of practice? Here's what he had to say. Well, I think even just in the warm, in warming up and just in, you know, indie periods that you, you could tell when the ball is really coming out of your hands well. Uh, I mean, today I actually didn't think it was one of those days, but ended up having a uh, decent day throwing. But um, you, you do have those days where you feel like you, you know, you've got a little bit more control over the ball, at least personally. And those are the days where you want to really focus on, all right, well, what am I doing with my mechanics? What am I doing with my throwing motion today? What do I feel myself doing so that when I get out of here tomorrow, I can you know, uh, do that again? So when you do have those good, good days, it's important to watch that film and see why it was a good day. The last clip I want to share is a, a question we asked him that uh, a former Titans legend, Nate Washington, took issue with on Twitter. And I had to make clear I didn't ask this question. I just recorded it and put it online. But we did ask him about, you know, being the third string guy technically right now. And we're going to talk. The reason I want to bring this up is because I want to talk about not to rain on the parade of today, the Will, National Will Levis Day. But there is some some nuance to be had with this performance and with this situation as the third string guy, you know, do, do you, do you conduct yourself a little bit differently? How does that look as a guy that's supposed to be the, you know, a leader of men, a leader in the locker room, you're the quarterback, you're the future. If things pan, pan out the right way, but you're the third string, you know, you get two quarterbacks, two other leaders in front of you. What does that look like? Here's what we'll had to say. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I still carry myself the same way like I would as if I was the starter. But, uh, you know, it's kind of similar to, I'd say, like back in my position at Penn State, you know, when, when you're the backup, like um, there's a certain way of going about yourself to still be a leader, but not step on the toes of the guy that's got the job, which is Ryan, obviously, you know, so I'm just finding ways to do it the right way. Just be someone in the locker room that can you know, bring the team along and to just do what's asked of me at the, at the position with a good attitude. One last thing I forgot to mention from today, uh, something that he mentioned in this interview, is that he feels like his confidence in coverage recognition and then making the right reads are the two things that he feels he has progressed in the two categories he's gotten the most better at since the spring. And that makes sense. You know, rookie quarterback, you got to come in, you got to learn how to read the defense, you got to learn how to make your reads and go to the right guy. 
And that's what he is working on doing right now. But I wanted to bring up being a third string because, and again, not to rain on the parade of the, the performance. Okay. He is working with third string offensive players, both on the offensive line, protecting him and the weapons. You know, we, we mentioned earlier his three uh, touchdown receivers when he was going on in that heater in seven on seven. Justin Rigg, I think most Titans fans would be like, who, what? That, that's a new name. Yeah, former Kentucky Wildcat, by the way. Um, so they played together in college. A little bit of a rapport there. Sean Harrison, rookie, UDFA. And Reggie Roberson of UDFA from the past uh, season or two, who has stuck around with the Titans. And so not the best weapons he's throwing to, granted. But also, the guys that are guarding those guys they stink. They're not, they're not any good. <laughs> this, this team in particular, JT, we've, we've beaten to death on this show about how after you get to the, like the 44th, 45th person on this depth chart, it's a bunch of who's what's wise and where's lawn chairs and deck furniture players that don't really belong on an NFL roster. And those are the guys he's playing against, you know, he's defensive backs that every single time I'm trying to chart throws and practice, I'm having to like consult my my list of players. Cause it's like, who are these guys? I do not know these guys by their number. A lot of them are new to the team and new to their number. So I don't, I don't get it. Um, or I don't, I don't understand who they are just by looking at them. So it's, a, it's officially in my opinion, time for Will Levis to graduate from and, and, uh, his head coach, Mike, uh, uh why do I have Mike McCarthy stuck in my head? Mike Vrabel, um, told us today at the podium that tomorrow he and Malik are going to be, going to be getting some twos and threes reps. So hopefully we'll see we'll have us throw against some better competition tomorrow. But it is officially a time for him to, you know, have some stiffer competition to throw against. I, I want I want to see him. I'm not distrusting what we're seeing in a performance like today, but it's like a trust and verify situation. Can we verify this based on, you know, let's let's bump him up to throwing against some guys whose names the average fan might recognize. And so I think we might see some of that tomorrow let's move on here to someone who uh we really haven't talked about in a while but kind of uh went up to the podium today and had a lot of good things to say and of course we're talking sure. about the titans new center aaron brewer you had a chance to talk to him today easton what did he say to you that stuck out yeah a couple of things from brewer's press conference he's a fun one to talk to really laid back guy nice guy um he is the last vestige of the 2022 titans offensive line group that is going to be at least starting this year that was npf and then you know so uh now that he is playing center and he is the only veteran on that line in a titans uniform to start this season we asked him about that and building a rapport you know continuity is a big deal for offensive lines in particular how has that gone and he said that with the new guys building that rapport has felt pretty easy relatively easy in his opinion um, it's been since spring that they've been getting to know those guys and work with them and their new offensive line coach as well. And coach Haas and all of those things apparently have gone very well in his eyes. We also asked him about his new teammate playing just to the side of him, rookie offensive lineman guard, Peter Skaronsky at the moment. And, uh, he said that Peter's playing really well. He's really, really impressive. A really impressive young guy was very complimentary of both the person and the player. Um, this first clip that I want to play from Aaron Brewer was a question we asked about, you know, hey, Aaron, you guys have taken some flack for sure, especially in the last week and this past weekend when Arden Key had a bajillion sacks apparently against you. I was not in town for that, but I heard it was not very pretty. You guys are every day going up against arguably one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Jeffrey Simmons and Arden Key and um, Rashad Weaver. And uh, all of these guys that we, we know, you know, Danico Autry and, and Harold Landry, there's a number of top end talent pieces on the defensive line that would be a headache and have been and will be a headache for a number of offensive lines across the league, not just the worst of the worst. So what does that mean to you guys on the offensive line? Do you appreciate that challenge? And does it help you as you are working to get as good as you possibly can be in August before the season starts? Here's what Brewer had to say on his defensive line. Yeah, that's great. As you said, iron shop with iron. So, like, just being able to compete with the best of the best. Like, Jeffrey Simpson, he's one of the top defense linemen in the league. And I say Arden Key, he up there as well. So, like, just having them guys just going back and forth, just getting the best out of each other, that's, that's amazing. It's a blessing. Do you think, like, looking at Arden Key's length and his speed, Simmons' power, then 
archery just will blend everything. Weaver, like you can go on and on. Yeah. Does that really give you an opportunity to just see pretty much everything you're going to encounter this season? Right, right. That's exactly what it is. Like you get to see, you get the power, you get the speed, you get the finesse. Like you get the best of both ways to see it and everything you're going to see. Um, the, the next clip, the last clip I wanted to play is the best one from him today. And, and certainly the most interesting thing that I think he had to say, we asked him about, you know, being a smaller guy and our, our buddy, Jared Stillman still beating this drum asked him explicitly, you know, like, what are you playing at right now? He said he's in that 285 to 295 range, which um, I think that Jared in the past has publicly gone on the record on radio and said, cap, like, I, I don't believe you. That's a lie. Today, he didn't push back on that. I was half expecting him to. But if you just look at the guy, it seems pretty reasonable, pretty obvious. Like, yeah, that's probably right around where he is. But that is a slightly undersized lineman by the average. Most linemen are in that 300. You know, they're they're a $3 bill at least. And he is not quite there. He says he's been there before, but he likes to play at this weight just under um, because he does. A, you know, he mentioned this in the press conference as well. One of his best traits is and, and something that he's able to do because of his smaller frame compared to other linemen he can kind of slip through the line a little bit easier get to that second level he's got the speed to do it you know he one of his superpowers is being a really speedy shifty athletic offensive lineman and and be a pulling lineman in the sense that in the run blocking game you can get some really really dynamic blocking schemes to work and work well and and get derrick henry and company really rolling downhill in a hurry all of that being said we asked him playing the center position this year after coming off of a season at guard is playing as a slightly smaller lineman at the center position easier to you than playing slightly smaller at the guard position. He said, absolutely. And explained why in this clip, but you know, at guard, like it's that contact every play. You got the three takes two odd, like you get that every play. So when you have there in the middle, like you kind of assist some people, you got your big nose guard. And that makes total sense. You know, the ability to not have to, you know, we talked about this a lot last year, JT, when he was playing alongside Dennis Daly, the, the train wreck himself. That was a situation where there were a number of times he couldn't just focus on his situation. He had to try to help the, the tackle on the outside. And he just simply as a player, as a specimen, as an athlete, He's not really equipped to do that. And so that's something that I think he's going to be in a much better shape with Daniel Brunskill to his left and Peter Skronsky to his right. Or take that, flip it. Uh, Daniel Brunskill to his right, Peter Skronsky to his left. Um, having those guys as kind of bookend um, supporters of him in, in his ability to play the center position. And again, be centers, they're the brains of the operation. They have to know what's going on. They have to be the the field commander of that line that's a lot on his plate and so to have some support on his left and his right I think is a big deal I know JT you kind of agree with that as well yeah that's what I kind of said earlier today I think that having a, a guy like uh Brewer in the middle there and then having just the the talented rookie in Peter Scronsi who kind of already understands the line and was one of the if not the best offensive lineman prospects in the draft and then a seasoned veteran on the right guard who is kind of come into his own in that position at right guard, even though he's played multiple positions and Daniel Brunskill, it's going to create a nice uh, kind of centerpiece for this offensive line. And of course you have to figure out the question marks, which then become is Andre Dillard going to be able to play that left tackle position. And what are you going to do at the right tackle position? But for the time being having <laughs> Just that two questions at both tackle positions, other than exactly. that, everything's fine. But the, the Besides that, how is the play Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> The the good news is that if you have that 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 anchorage in in the in the middle three there, that's a good sign. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, one more alignment on the other side of the ball that I want to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about Jaden Peavy, someone who you may have not really been familiar with, but we think yeah. you might be familiar with very soon. He has yes. kind of surprised us and shown flashes in uh, early parts of camp. You got to talk to him today. What was something that he said that stuck out to you? Yeah, got a chance to talk to Jaden, who is a defensive lineman, second-year undrafted player for the Titans. Uh, did it Just to plug something on BroadwaySportsMedia.com, our colleague and buddy Justin Mello, uh, his summer interview series with a number of Titans players, one of those was with Jaden Peavy, and it's a fantastic article. You should go check that one out, along with all the other interviews that he did. But we talked to him today, 
And uh, he, he said a number of things. You know, he was a guy that Jeff, Jeff, goodness, the names today, Mike Vrabel mentioned last week. I'm about to talk about Jeff Simmons, but I, I okay. need to talk about there Mike right now. Okay. That's where that go. came from. Um, <laughs> Mike, Mike Vrabel mentioned as one of his offseason award winners last week. And uh, that was something that I think people were caught off guard a little bit by, you know, something like Jaden PV who what's, you know, that's okay. Interesting. But we know the Titans have for a couple of years now been notorious for finding diamonds in the rough on the defensive line, finding guys for cheap as UDFAs, turning them into stars, guys like Naquan Jones, uh, to a much greater extent, Tier Tart. Uh, we've seen a number of these guys come and go, and some of them much brighter stars than others. Some of them burn out. Uh, their, their glorious life as a star comes to an end sooner than uh, later, but they are impactful and value players given the, the value given up to get them, which as a UDFA is practically nothing for these NFL teams. That's a big deal. And uh, we spoke to him as a guy that we think is going to be one of those guys this year. He's certainly somebody that I have circled in red pen as this might be the guy, you know, by the end of the year who has five sacks and you're like, hang on, where did this guy come from? Jaden Peavy. Length is the name of the game with him, and he is somebody that works really well with a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, I think, because their skill sets match each other pretty well. Differently than that of Tier Tart, and the biggest reason why, unlike last year when PV came in at a uh, 325, his weight, he talked to us today, and this is this first clip, JT about how, uh, excuse me, just kidding. I don't have a clip on this. I'm just going to tell you. Um, he came in last week, uh, last year, golly, huh? He came in last year at 325. He is now down to 308. And we asked him why. He said he's big into cycling now. Big biker. Um, T he he's a guy that looks different. Um, you know, him and Tier Tart last year, they'd stand side by side and they, you know, look relatively the same. This year, not as much. They look like different types, archetypes of players. Um, we asked him about being an undrafted player and the chip that that puts on your shoulder. He talked about how his room pretty much is Jeffrey Simmons and then a bunch of undrafted guys in Tier Tart and Naquan Jones and all of those types. And so that's something that they pride themselves on and enjoy, you know, trying to collectively prove to the team and to the league that their draft position or lack thereof does not matter. Well, he was very amped uh, and everybody was amped about this, but he particularly in his interview was amped about getting into pads today. And no, Logan, I did not drink before podcasting. I'll drink after podcasting because of how this has gone. Uh, but, but he he is uh, he was super amped about putting on pads this morning and, and went on and on about that. The question I wanted to pose, JT, is do we think that he's going to be the next diamond in the rough for the Titans at the defensive tackle position? And I think we both have kind of answered already. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, it Seen, we've seen it time and time again. This is kind of the Titans' bread and butter, which is identifying diamonds in the rough in the UDFA market, and they just come in and make an immediate impact. And for Jaden Peavy, second year is almost as immediate as you can get, I feel like, from a UDFA. So I'm um, excited to see what he does for the rest of camp and, of course, just kind of creating even more depth for this team that we didn't see before. Yeah, no, I agree. One more clip that I want to share, JT, and this is from the defensive side of the ball as well. Our buddy Arden Keith, the newest member of the Tennessee Titans, or one of, and uh, certainly the, the newest high-energy member of the club, uh, a vibes guy. We determined this very early on, and he is living up to that. He brings the energy all day, every day. Caught him walking off the field and asked him about, you know, what's, what's, what's the sack count? Where are we at, Arden? And here was what he had to say on an update on his sack numbers thus far in camp. Might have been two, but for sure I know it was one sack. For you, right? For me. For, for you. Me. For yes, you. sir. Does Pat make a difference? No, I mean, like I said, like I said before, I mean, we had on the spiders, the little shells. I think the the pads was better than the shells. The shells yeah. was a little heavy, <laughs> uh, but it's no difference. It's just pads, especially for O line, D line. We gotta be strong with our hands, and it's the same thing. The, the pads is just the protection. All right, so two today, maybe, right? Yeah, one I'm gonna count. Sure. We're counting. So we'll count for two. So okay. That's, so that is 11. eleven the last three. Do you remember what happened Wednesday, the, the first day? We weren't counting that. Wednesday, uh, I don't remember. It was two at least. At least two. Uh, at least two. So, now we're, so what, 13? 13. 13. All, right, All right, fellow degenerates, go to the betting window right now. Arden Key over 50 sacks this season. Cash the ticket. Um, no, he has been 
all up in the business of all three quarterbacks this uh, training camp so far, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. JT, this guy's going to, like, people are like, yeah, Harold Landry's back, second year for Rashad Weaver. Wouldn't be shocked by the end of the year, Arden Key is the star pass rusher for this team. Really would not. And it, it, it's just crazy as to why the national media is still just so low on this Titans defense. Like, I just, I don't understand. Warren Sharp told me this Titans defense is like 20th in every that, And that's kind of what I'm getting meh. at, is that yeah. the statistics are saying, well, I mean, this dude is going to, um, this dude, like you said, it's almost like Mike Vrabel knows how to find and develop good pass rushers. And yeah. I mean, adding Arden Key, who was kind of already underutilized in Jacksonville, bringing him in and now putting him in this system is only going to make him a better player. Let's uh, move on here to just some odds and ends from the rest of practice. We saw, of course, those were the big guys that we got to talk to today, but there were some other things uh, that happened today that are of note. Easton, do you want to run us through those? Yeah, just some general notes from me. Uh, I, you know, I, I pride myself on trying to be the eyes and ears of the common fan out there. And I like to, you know, if you have questions you want asked, give them to me. I will take, I will be your torch bearer. I will go to the gods and ask for the fire and bring it back to you. And that is that is what I'm here to do. And so um, these are just some things that I think you might find interesting from today's camp. Rookie tight end Josh Wiley was back today after missing all of last week. I did not hear uh, anything about why that was. I assume some kind of small injury that he was resting. He was back today in pads for the first day. We did not see any sign of Tier Tart today. Not sure what the deal is there. We'll keep an eye out for him tomorrow. Tune in to uh, the show for tomorrow and Wednesday uh, for an update on that. Christian Fulton, JT, embattled cornerback, or perhaps formerly embattled cornerback. He's playing with his hair on fire, man. He is playing like he wants to make everybody regret what they've said about him or thought about him in the past eight months or so. This guy is playing lights out football for a guy that has a, you know, a reputation, a history, a track record of being a bit on the fragile side and being a bit diva is the wrong word, not a diva but not getting along with coaching staff, or at least that's the perception being in the doghouse a little bit with Mike Vrabel. I think, I think he's out of the doghouse and I think he's playing his butt off out there. And that's a big part of the reason why it begs the question for a guy that has a history of some fragility, some injury issues, some, some soft tissue injury issues that, that you get in a season. And then they don't really go away throughout the season. They continue to nag and be a problem. Can he keep this up through August? You know what? Prove, prove us wrong. So let's, let's see it. Let's see it. I, I will be thrilled to uh, report that he is fine and is playing at this level all through camp and is ready to go into the season at this level. But I do think that it's fair to question whether or not it's sustainable. But for the time being, man, he's playing his butt off. Um, in the kicking competition, we got all Caleb Shudak today, which makes me think tomorrow will probably be all Trey Wolf. But we will see. For Shudak today, he was good from 33, 34, 34 again, 42, 46, 52, and 54. Missed for the second day in a row, or the second time in a row, from 38. I don't know, something about 38 yards out. It's not his bread and butter, apparently, because he's missed that twice in a, a matter of days. But uh, overall, a very good day for Caleb Shudak, as both kickers continue to just not, they refuse to miss and give up any ground in this uh, very heated battle between the two of them. Um, Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill opened seven on seven with three straight completions, uh, starting with Traylon Burks across the middle. But then new cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting picked him off in the corner of the end zone, uh, a pass that was intended for Traylon Burks. So uh, the first time I think in camp we've really heard anything from Sean Murphy Bunting, got his hands on the football for the first time in a while. And I heard him saying after practice to some media members that he was excited to get his hands back on the ball and it felt good and he felt good. Um, we then saw Ryan Tannehill make a nice scramble drill pass. And I tweeted about this because it was very impressive. It was a red zone 11 on 11 rep, but the star of the play was trailing Burks. He makes a one handed across his body, full sprint running to the end zone or to the, uh, to the end of the end zone, rather one handed snag out of the air of a pass from Ryan Tannehill also rolling to his right, throwing across his body, a bot, uh, across his body rather. And so overall, a really, really fantastic play. The kind of thing that you're like, that looks like something DeAndre Hopkins typically does. Maybe he is rubbing off on this wide receiver room, which brings me back to the quote that we heard from Nick Westbrook-Kine last week, I think on uh, the first day of practice when we asked him about D-Hop. And he said, him being here not only elevates the level of talent in the wide receiver room, but it also force multiplies 
the rest of us because his presence forces us, demands of us much better football. Like we got, we got to be much better at football. We got to raise our game to as close to him as humanly possible, or else we're going to look so bad. We're not going to have jobs anymore. And that's the kind of thing. Obviously, Traylon Brooks, his job is in, in no question, but he's, He's acting out there like a guy that maybe slept on a little bit. And I know, shout out JT, new co-host of the Profit Podcast, by the way, which is fantastic. Y'all were talking this uh, past weekend, uh, or past week, rather, on your first episode about how Traylon Burks, his value may be being slept on now because of DeAndre Hopkins. Do you want a quick quick fantasy nugget on that? Do you have thoughts? I, I mean, yeah. And then, of course, as you would expect, my, my little snippet of me defending Traylon Burks is getting kind of clowned on by TikTok right now, which is, which makes sense. But you know, it, we keep saying Traylon Give Burks is going, give it time. Traylon Burks is going to be the X. He's going to be the wide receiver one, man. He's, he's shown flashes and he looks like a brand new receiver. Um, and I think a lot of the weight of trying to carry this team is kind of kind of come off his chest with Deandre Hopkins being signed. I think mm-hmm. this dude's going to be a dog this year. Yeah, no, and JT, you're not new to this game at all, but I'll just say as you continue to put some more of your own takes out there, stamped, signed, sealed, and delivered, JT Runke, you're going to learn that when they clown you like that, (laughs) it is phenomenal because either they're going to give it back to you and you're going to get a lot of attention for it, or, and this is way better, when you're right in three months and you get to take, just keep those receipts, my boy, keep those receipts because it is just finger licking good, delicious when you get to point out just how right you are. Were as we tend to be on this show, not to toot our own horn. Um, moving forward with some more notes from camp after that scramble drill play from Tannehill to Brooks in the corner of the end zone. Uh, right at, immediately after that, the very next play, Malik Willis comes in with the second team. He follows suit with a corner end zone strike to Nick Westbrook Akine for a touchdown pass that was a, a really nice one. Uh, not not a situation where he waited and waited and pat 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 the classic Malik Willis that we've learned to dislike. He's getting over that more and more. I am curious, and we're going to talk about this more in a second, how tomorrow might change that because we have kind of seen a Jekyll and Hyde with him. More on that in a second. But he hits NWI for a nice touchdown pass. That was a really nice contested catch. Comes down with it, secures the ball, keeps his feet in bounds. The very next play, a third consecutive touchdown for the Titans offense, Malik Willis on a speed option to the left. I think it was Julius Chestnut in the backfield, um, but he was the option and Malik with a palmed football full extension uh fake out to chestnut before tucking it in and making a really nice sharp lamar jackson-esque cut in the ground that was uh really just one of those plays you're like oh that is dirty that is mean and he splits the defenders and gets in for the touchdown so very uh well done by him and that that was certainly the best sequence by him all day long Let's see what else uh, that that period, by the way, it was kind of a, people asking did the offense win today, did the defense win today. And I think it was kind of a tie because in the non red zone stuff in the first half of practice outside of Will Levis going thermonuclear and seven on sevens, it felt like the defense won. Like it was kind of like it wasn't really much to write home about besides those that one little sequence from from Levis against the, the third string guys in the red zone. And this it, it made me chuckle because what have we come to learn about the Titans the past two years? Their really offense the might suck, zone. but in the red zone, they're going to score touchdowns. It doesn't matter how bad the defense or the, how bad the offense is in the red zone. They're going to score touchdowns. And today in the red zone drills, they were tearing it up. The offense certainly won those. So I think it was kind of a 50 50 proposition. That was the much better period for the Titans offense in the red area. Um, some notes on punt returners. Five Titans players were working on punt returns today. Kyle Phillips, Mason Kinsey, Trishon Harrison, Kyrus Jackson, and Gavin Holmes. So basically, Three of the rookie wide receivers in Harrison, Jackson, and Holmes, Mason Kinsey, who's just kind of always around, and second-year player who we saw, you know, I've defended as a punt returner last year in Kyle Phillips. So uh, the the ultimate note there is the Titans still have no idea what they're doing at that position, but they're figuring it out, so we'll keep an eye on that. And then tomorrow's practice, just to let everybody know and to kind of preview tomorrow's show, which we're going to do live at some point on Tuesday. We'll let you know. You'll have to follow us on Twitter at hot read podcast, or excuse me, at hot read pod in order to get the update on the exact timing, probably around the same time. But um, we are going to talk about practice tomorrow again with potentially a guest. We'll see. And it's going to be an interesting one because Mike Rabel explained this to us at his press availability today. So far in camp, they have been doing everything very scripted. 
very on schedule. Like they, they're giving the players before practice the day before or whenever, Hey, here's what we're doing each play, what you're doing, what your assignment is, where you are, when, what, where, and why, right? Like this is exactly what you're going to do. We're going to prescribe it to you. There's no guesswork. There's no surprises. It is all there. We're not throwing anything at you uh, on, on a last minute basis tomorrow. The, the Titans are, I think tonight going to be giving all of their players a mock game plan game. You know, the, the kind of thing that you would have for a football Sunday, where this is what the game plan is. We're going to, we we're going to install it. And uh, mentally before practice, they're going to know what is on the menu. So it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, you ever been to a really fancy restaurant in JT um, and it's, it's so fancy or it's so specific that it's like, this is what you are getting for your first course. It may be like at a wedding. It's like, this is your first course. You don't get a choice. Your second course, you know, your dessert, like it's prescribed for you. That's what it's been for the, the Titans so far tomorrow. They're getting a menu. There's a number of things on that menu and uh, they don't get to order what's on the menu. The coaches get to order what's on the menu. So it's going to be thrown at them in the moment. You're, you're giving Will Levis in the headset, the play call. He's not expecting it until you tell him. And so he's got to figure it out on the fly and be able to execute in that moment. Same deal with Malik Willis, same deal with Ryan Tannehill. That's going to be really fascinating to watch, especially for the younger two guys and to see how they handle that. Because like I mentioned a minute ago with Malik, we've seen him this offseason in particular, unlike last year in scripted situations, when things are on schedule and things are going according to plan, he's done a very, very good job um, talking about, not talking about, but acting on um, what he's supposed to do and getting the ball out quickly and avoiding his his tendencies um, to to pat the ball and wait too long and take off running when he should be letting it rip. Will that stick around when it's more live bullets? Like when it, you know, it's a more off script situation tomorrow? That's what I'm fascinated to see, to see if he kind of reverts back to his old self in that way. And we'll certainly be talking about that Tomorrow, um, before we get out of here, I want to address a couple of the comments here. Um, Malik Music City Malik says that he heard he was juking some dudes out of his boots. I'm sure he's referring to Malik Willis. Yes, he was today. He was his rushing uh, was on display. His rushing prowess was certainly there. Logan pointing out the 707 doesn't matter who won the net drill. Uh, I don't think there was a net drill today. If there was, I was not there for it. I showed up a, a tad late today because I just got back in from Vegas over the weekend and was uh, up at the airport last night at like two in the morning. And then Lawson Blazik. Lawson, what's up, my man? He says he missed what I wanted to tweet. Uh, long story short, uh, training camp has been injury hell for everybody but the Titans so far. They've not been injured yet. Yet. Uh, so so, so that, was, that was the take, essentially. And you, I recommend you go back to the top of the show once we are done uh, live here in a minute because uh, we do go into depth a little bit more about the significance of that. But um, JT, before we get out of here, just a couple of things in Titans news that I'd like for you to hit on. So without further ado, let's throw it over to producer JT with the news. Yeah, let's uh, talk about a couple of uh, options that the Titans have either acquired or missed out on at the right tackle department. Um, of course, we learned last week that the Titans or about a week and a half ago now, um, the Titans uh, did, in fact, work out uh, veteran right tackle George Fant course they did not come to a deal um, but George Fant did in fact go to Houston and end up signing a deal there so he will be signing with the Houston Texans um, which kind of left uh, the Titans out of it but they did not leave empty-handed because the Titans have agreed to terms with veteran offensive lineman Chris Hubbard um, and also with that the Titans waived offensive lineman James Empey per Jim Wyatt, so there is some more depth there for the Titans, at least in a veteran presence, but it still is anybody's uh, anybody's game on the right tackle position. Yeah, it is, and I saw a lot of people upset about this. I, I do think, in general, Fant is the better option, but statistically, and again, got to shout out our guy, Zach Lyons, over a football and other F-words. He pointed out this weekend the two options for the Titans' veteran, veteran, veteran competition at right tackle, George Fant and Chris Hubbard, who they ended up signing, uh, Fant has 372 career snaps. Hubbard has 392 career snaps. And by the way, this is pass snaps, not, not rushing, just passing. Um, Fant five sacks to Hubbard's four Fant, eight QB hits to Hubbard's five Fant, 14 quarterback hurries to Fant or to Hubbard's 16 and Fant's 27 total pressures to Hubbard's 25. So identical numbers. They are similar in age, similar in talent, similar in production. 
while I think Fant probably has a little bit more juice in the tank now than Hubbard might have, and I don't think Hubbard is really going to be pressing to to win that starting job. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm proven wrong by the end of camp, but I still kind of think they're going to lean towards and ultimately go with one of their in-house guys. Um, we'll see. At the very least, he's going to be a gadget tackle veteran presence in that locker room of which they don't have a ton. Um, and I think that's something that is valuable for a contract that is ultimately not, you know, to drop in the bucket, not a big deal. Um, so they add Chris Hubbard. Cool. Well done. Yeah, let's move on to some other news just from around the league in um, uh, not not great news for a lot of these teams, including the New Orleans Saints, who they found out earlier this week that former Pro Bowl guard Trey Turner, who just signed this week with the Saints, tore his quadriceps and is out for the season. So a huge blow for a team that was really pushing to be the uh, top contenders in a very, very weak NFC South. Yeah, and that's a massive deal for the Titans because that is who they play on the road in New Orleans in week one. The Saints being out a massive talent in Trey Turner. Horrible for the Saints, but fortuitous for the Titans. And then finally, Easton, just real quick, who who, who is who is more in trouble right now? The Colts running back room or the Broncos <laughs> wide receiver room? Because it, it, it's it, definitely it, the Colts running back room, but they're both in hell right now. I mean, and, it is bad. And especially for, for the Broncos, it all happened within the span of about Ten three seconds? or four, four hours today. <laughs> okay. okay. Ba- basically the same uh, equates same to the same, same, same thing in media terms. Like. Um, but the Broncos wide receiver room is indeed in shambles. As it was reported today, that wide receiver Tim Patrick was carted off at practice today after suffering a non-contact injury per local media reports. Patrick missed all of last season with a torn ACL. Um, if you, if you saw the video, you knew it wasn't great. Um, it, it was just seriously just uh, non-contact there. Um, and then that was, uh, and then Adam Schefter went on to, uh, kind of, um, uh, add on to this that Tim Patrick is believed to have a torn or to have torn his Achilles per sources. And that is going to be a season ending injury. So you just, just can't catch a break. He's so snake bitten, man. It's just, it's sad. I can't come up with another way to describe it or another comment. You just, your heart breaks for the guy. Um, it's one of those things that I, it made me immediately think if I was in that circumstance, would I consider retiring? You know, you, you got so much left in the tank, but how much rehab can you do? How many years of your career can you spend on the sidelines trying to get back just to be sent right back to the gulag immediately upon returning? It it stinks, and I feel really bad for him, and it's a blow for the, the, the Broncos wide receiver room, which feels like on paper every year is really deep by, but, but, but by the beginning of the season, it always feels like they've, they've lost enough guys to make it a question mark all of a sudden. Yeah. And then to, to go even further onto that wide receiver, KJ Hamler announced earlier today that he has been diagnosed with pericarditis, which is a mild heart irritation. Uh, He said his chest was hurting during workouts and was diagnosed when he went to get it checked out. As serious as it sounds, he actually won't miss too much time. It's being reported that he'd miss weeks uh, not instead of months. However, yeah. uh, the Broncos do indeed look like they will be waiving him um, with, with a with kind of the, the designation that he is unable to perform right now, um, right. but but do have interest in bringing him back. I th- yeah, I think it's a procedural thing, the waving, um, because they, they do seem interested in bringing him back. But yeah, th- that is a, a Broncos wide receiver room that is in some peril right now. Certainly not a fun situation. And that's going to do it for today. All right. Thank you, JT. That is JT with the news. And with that, we are done today. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Um, before we go, just a couple of things. Logan wants to ask net money in Vegas. Logan, I and just much to the dismay of of my buddy JT here, who made fun of me incessantly um, via text and fairly so. I went to J. I went to Vegas. I got to go home and uh, eat something, I guess, because I'm so hungry I can't speak straight. Um, I went to Vegas for the second time. That this was my second trip. Both times I have not drank anything. And I have not bet a single dollar um, on anything and for various reasons. The first time, to be fair, I could not legally do either of those things. The second time, um, the, the reason that I was there, I was I won't get into it, but I, I was on business. I could not be doing any of those things. And so um, that was a situation where I had to just watch all the others have fun in Vegas and I had to be a professional. And so maybe third time's a charm. Maybe I'll get to go out there and uh, have some fun with uh, maybe maybe you and I go out there, JT. Maybe we win so much money. 
in the best bet gauntlet this year. We have a celebratory trip to go win even more in Vegas. We'll have to see. Maybe. We'll, we'll to see. see. Um, we will be back tomorrow live at some point. Our Wednesday show. Again, we are back to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And today's show we did live on Monday simply because I was not here for practice the past two days. I knew with practice today in pads, people would have um, interest in, in hearing this. And so we went live this afternoon. But typically, first thing, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning is when the podcast and YouTube video premieres. But we go live for a lot of Wednesdays and Friday shows on Tuesdays and Thursday afternoon around the same time. So tomorrow we'll be live talking about the second day of padded practice, potentially have a guest on. We'll have a, a number of things to say, and it'll be an interesting one for sure. Make sure to tune in with us for that. If you're not subscribed, wherever you do listen, whether it's YouTube or the Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store, make sure to go do that. Make sure to subscribe to the show. Very helpful to us if you can go and do that. And if you wouldn't be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, uh, that would be super nice. If you leave a five-star rating and review, writing, whatever you'd like, we will read it out on the show on air, and uh, we'd be happy to do that. And it's very helpful to us if you leave that five-star review, helpful for us to sell things and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, as Logan says, if you're not subscribed at this point, seek help. You should be. It's it, The U.S. Surgeon General recommends it. It's good for your health. It adds a couple years to your life. All these things, very beneficial to you as well, as well as getting to know more about the Titans and getting smarter, not listening to certain bozos on the radio that want to give you uh, takes in 15-minute segments. Come listen to people that have time to really explain things and the nuance of them. That's what we try to do here on this show. All right, JT, I will talk to you again tomorrow. I'll talk to all you fine people again tomorrow. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great rest of your evening. See you tomorrow.